welcome to Humans of Trinity. Happy International Women's Day. Um, we are so excited to have Megan on with us. Um, so yeah, Megan, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. Happy International Women's Day. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a second year student in Trinity. I do political science. Um, I don't tell people what course I do political science through because that is my own private prison. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I haven't been in Trinity a whole lot because first year got cut off, uh, but I am enrolled there. I'm a real student. <laughs> Phil, uh, I feel like most of the people I know in college, most people who know me in college probably know me from there. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil the rest of the podcast by saying every thought I've ever had in my head, but um, yeah, that's me. I'm Megan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely delighted to have you on, and I guess because of the day that's in it, um, and we know that you're obviously very into women and female empowerment, uh, we were just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about like what feminism means to you, or what today means to you, or, um, yeah, I guess that whole general topic. <laughs> Firstly, love being described as someone who's into women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Um, Women's Day is really interesting because like a lot of the time I mean firstly like brands love to hop on it and be like I'm gonna make a post and that's enough for one day that's I don't have to you know pay women money or whatever uh, <laughs> but um yeah I think I don't know a lot of people are a little bit performative with it also just because like what are you meant to do uh <laughs> like I guess be nice to women I personally do that every day because I'm a great person but I <laughs> But um, I don't know, I think feminism is something that my understanding of it has definitely changed a lot over the years and is like constantly changing the more that I like learn about the world and learn about myself and whatever. Um, I think what feminism means to me is like kind of trying to build a world that like women don't have to be afraid to live in and that like people uh, of all genders don't really have to be afraid to live in. Because uh, I think uh, being a person in a society that has gender which ours does, uh, is actually very scary. It's actually, there are a lot of problems with it. But I think, like, you know, obviously women face violence in so many different ways, like, both from people we know in our personal lives and also just, like, the general fear of violence. Like, there are so many of our own freedoms that we should have that you kind of have to curtail because being a woman is kind of inherently dangerous. Um like, I think in that new Margaret Atwood book, which, I don't know, mixed opinions on that, but <laughs> there's this great passage where she talks about how, like, growing up from a girl to being a woman, obviously in a society a little bit different from ours, a little bit more, I don't know, Handmaid's Tale, uh, <laughs> women kind of have to worry <laughs> like, oh, there's so many things to be done to me, rather than there's so many things that I could do, and that that's a really terrifying thing to realise about your life, but, like, I think to me, feminism is, like, trying to escape those fears and and make them you know not as much of an issue also like i just think feminism has to be intersectional like i do think things like prison abolition and police abolition are feminist issues and um, even though they kind of pertain to people other than like just women uh, like i think like women living in occupied territories like women living in palestine and stuff like i think those are inherently feminist issues and feminism is like maybe a little bit more than just whatever issues we are experiencing as women in our lives and um, yeah sorry that's like a bunch of things <laughs> no that's no, no I, I think, think that's a really like 
really lovely answer and definitely encompasses everything that feminism means to me as well. Um, and I suppose I was really like interested with what you said about kind of like the with the Margaret Atwood passage about women kind of things being done to them and like being the like passive like object and like I've always I've always thought about it and like I I remember this is I remember there was a poem like in for the leaving suit was it was a Van Boland and it was like I can't remember exactly what it was but it was like so clear that like the woman was like molded to fit and everything was done to them it's the same with like Simone de Beauvoir of like you know the being the other um and maybe like if you want to talk a little bit about like how you've experienced that in your life about kind of being so desperately wanting to be the the subject but kind of ending up having things done to you yeah totally I'm I actually I missed out on doing Boland for my Lisa poetry which is like really sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, I've I've read a little bit of um Simone de Beauvoir which is uh it's really cool um but um yeah being the other is a really interesting concept because obviously like even when you are being othered for like the first couple of years of your life first many many years of your life maybe you don't necessarily realize it you're just like this is me and I exist in the world and this is how things are like does it fish in this water kind of thing but um there's actually, I'd say, I think my, my first, this is, gonna, this is, I think, very emblematic of the type of person that I am. Uh, the first experience that I can think of with this whole idea of, like, women are not the default, women are not, like, what society is built around, whatever it is. <laughs> There's a picture of me that I actually definitely should have sent to you guys for the Instagram and Twitter film <laughs> that I did, where I'm, like, like, maybe, like, three or four years old, like, I'm a tiny little kid, and I'm with all of my friends, and we're all playing dress-up, right? And the outfit that I picked uh, out of, like, the dressing up box or whatever was a cowboy outfit, which, I mean, something very close to my heart. I think the cowboy as an institution is very important to me. It's a person in me, a woman. But, <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's a boy's cowboy outfit, so it's got these little denim shorts, and it's got the hat, and it's got the lasso, and then it's just got, like, a vest, like a like cow skin cowskin cowboy think about it it's got like this this cowboy vest and like no shirt to go under it because it's like a boy's outfit and so it's just like tiny like four-year-old Megan doing this sort of free the nipple cowboy (laughs) (laughs) I remember getting like given out to or like laughed at by the adults in the situation and I was like well I'm a child I don't understand what this is (laughs) but thinking back on it it's like oh yeah there are so many things that like aren't even like crazy dramatic statements about gender or whatever that humans kind of want to do like people want to wear certain clothes and like be interested in certain things and whatever and then you're sort of shunned from those or like steered away from them a little bit because you're a woman um and I think I don't know debating definitely is another like ongoing example of my life more so than dressing up as a cowboy (laughs) where it kind of you're reminded over and over again that like you are not the target audience of the universe. Like, women are not considered special and important and, you know, set your stage. Um, like, the way that people talk to you, the assumptions that people make about you, um, like, in, in debating, but also in, like, academic kind of contexts. Like, I think I'm kind of a funny-ish person, as not that I am very funny, but that I make a lot of jokes and, like, that's how I try to be friendly with people. And then sometimes when you do that right off the bat with someone just to be nice and friendly and whatever they're like oh 
this person's a woman and they haven't immediately tried to prove to me that they're as smart as the men in the room so they must not be very like clever or capable um which in some ways I'm not like no one's actually that smart but (laughs) um but like you are constantly underestimated because whatever situation you're in you're kind of seen as a woman before you're seen as the person that you are in that given situation if that makes sense yeah no and I think that and obviously I've always like respected you so much but I just remember in like school debating when I first like got to know you I was just kind of like in awe of how you seem to like disregard people's opinions of you like it was it was coming from sorry my dog is saying crazy it was coming from a place of I guess <laughs> for me it was like um a very insecure time of like you're kind of a teenage girl you're kind of set to this like really high standard that you feel like you can never meet and you always would like arrive with this like air of confidence and kind of this lack of need to prove yourself which I guess for me was huge because it was kind of like a role model of someone that I really wanted to emulate in my life so I guess thank you for that and like disregarding who you felt like you should be in a lot of situations which I think is really admirable and um, yeah for a lot of people so yeah that's such a nice thing to hear oh my goodness <laughs> thank you so much yeah, that's also, awesome. I was like to Anna she's gonna be a fab guest for International Women's Day just because of like all that you are I think it's just incredible so yeah <laughs> thank you so much but also I think that's such a common thing with like so many women when we look back on like being teenage girls like some of our biggest role models and the people we wanted to be or be like are other women that were around us like for me like Kate Marr who you know friend of the pod was also on here (laughs) was like I was like oh my god like I want to be her I want to be like her I want to be able to carry myself with the confidence that she has and like in large part that was due to like how she existed in the space of like debating and how she was able to assert herself and even like seeing like you and like Tara Sullivan sorry do you know a lot of name drops here but (laughs) (laughs) it's always like every teenage girl I think every teenager in general but in maybe in different ways for teenage girls specifically feels incredibly insecure in themselves and doesn't necessarily know who they are or who they want to be or how to get there or whatever and so we end up sort of looking to everyone else who outwardly seems to you know, have that confidence that we aspire to have and being like, oh my God, yeah, no, that's it. She's got it. I'm not sure what it is, but she's got it. So <laughs> that's what I want to do. But um, honestly, being a teenage girl is such a beautiful and nightmarish experience. I don't know how it's legal. I don't know how anyone does it. <laughs> I know we all did it, but oh my God, hats off to uh, anyone who's who's been there. Yeah, no, it's like <laughs> teenage girl years are, are definitely interesting. Um, but I think it's really interesting the way kind of what you were saying, Ellen, is like you had this role model of Megan. And I think it's so it's that's almost a rebellion in itself in the sense that like I remember when I was a kid, like when you're very little as a girl, it's like your value is in your appearance. So it's like for a long, long time, your role models are just well, obviously everyone has more attributes than one thing but your role models are pretty people because they're pretty and you want to be pretty and that is the be all and end all of like female role models for a really long time and I think it's like they suddenly like you were describing Ellen and the same with you Megan with Kate it's like there's suddenly an expansion of that I don't know when that happens where it becomes like 
a woman who embodies more than that you know definitely I think it's kind of like you know how babies can tell the difference between different languages even when they can't understand any of the words I don't know if that's actually true I didn't know that maybe I don't know that either (laughs) but like I think a lot of the women that you look up to or that you're supposed to look up to when you're a kid are like women obviously like maybe women in your own family or whatever but in general it's like women in the media and like made up women like Barbie or like uh Jessie from Toy Story, if you want to do a cowboy one. But, <laughs> um, like, when you go to secondary school or when you enter into a different and, like, wider environment, you meet more, like, real-life women who, like, exist in the real world. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so much richer than, like, anything that's kind of been, like, served up to me as, as entertainment or whatever. You know what I mean? And I, that speaks so yeah. much to what you were saying with uh, a woman being seen as a woman before being a person. And like Mm. that really struck me when you said that because that felt for so long like my appraisal of myself and other women around me was like the humanity of it just got stripped away, you know, in favour of like, who is this product, you know, and how do they appear? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I think we should probably do a little song break, if that suits. So mm-hmm. Megan, you've put together quite a feminist playlist, which we love to see. <laughs> so would you like to intro your first song for us? Pick whatever one you're vibing with right now. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off strong with "You Ought to Know" by Alanis Morissette, um, because it is a feminist anthem and it's also a banger in its own right. <laughs> um, yeah, Alanis Morissette said. You ought to know in that when men do terrible things to women, we shouldn't have to carry it silently while they get to move on with their lives and we deal with all the consequences of it. They ought to know. So um, I think it's a banger. You should put it on. I love it. We love it. So this is You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me, is she perverted like me? Would she go down on the end of the other? Does she speak eloquently? And would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. Till you die, till you die, but I ask you not 
banging as you described Megan um very much power empowerment vibes I loved it it's probably jamming in my living room <laughs> <laughs> we love it um so I guess we were talking a little bit there about like teenage selves and I guess growing up as a girl and I just I was wondering um if you could tell us a little bit about like what 16 year old Megan was like and like how she saw the world and how that maybe differs a little bit to how you see it now or if a lot of the things have kind of remained uh, the same since then. Um, Sixteen-year-old Megan, I don't think she knew this at the time, but like she was very cool. <laughs> like I, I met her now, I'd be like, this is like a very cool kid. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe she didn't need to hear that. Maybe that would have gone to her head, especially if I'd like visited her from the future. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, sixteen-year-old Megan. God, what was I even doing? I had kind of just heard about Marxism. And I was like, this seems kind of cool, but I don't understand enough about it to say that I think it's good. Um, but I was kind of I was kind of willing to, to hedge my bets on that one. And it worked out a little bit. Uh, I still think it's, it's good. Um, 16-year-old Megan, I think a large part of my identity as pertains to like being a woman at the time was like I mean I like I was still a child I think a lot of people are much more grown up at 16 than I was um but also I think I was very worried that I wasn't like a pretty girl um which is crazy because I'm, I'm like a very normal looking person I think most teenagers really need to learn that they're a normal looking human being 
because um, it kind of seems when you're in school, I think a little bit like either you look the way you think you're supposed to look or you're like, oh, yeah, disgusting, which is usually not true. You're probably somewhere in between those two things. And so I think I kind of, um, in what maybe outwardly looked like a very feminist way, tried to reject those things. Like I had very short hair. I cut my hair short when I was like 13. And then I ended up shaving my head when I was 16, which was a very good look. I would go back to it, except that growing it out is a fucking pain. Oh, my God. Um, and, like, I don't know, like, I wore trousers with my school uniform every day and stuff, um, which was funny because I think when I was, like, a younger teenager, like, when I started school, I was the only girl in my year that did that. And then kind of a, a couple more started doing it, which is so weird because, like, a woman wearing trousers is not, like, a crazy feminist statement. Like, we all wear fucking, like, jeans when we're not in school uniforms but then for whatever reason once you did it in school it was like oh my god like she's insane (laughs) um so I think that was like definitely taking up a lot of my my like brain bandwidth at the time when I was a teenager I think mostly I was like I just want everyone to like me but I wasn't even conscious that that's what I was going for um I don't know she was figuring a lot of stuff out and I think now I'm just like figuring out different stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I definitely, um, yeah, that was one of the things, again, I really admired about you because our school was super, I guess, different to that of like there was no trousers option, like they're only implementing it this year. And I guess like there was just like a freedom that I, I think I saw that I was like, oh, I wish I just had that disregard. But I think it's such a female thing to still, even in that like rebellious phase, to still really want to be like, like even if <laughs> you're kind of like, I don't care to conform, it's still like that element that's so intrinsic in all of us to just want to be liked. And I guess I wonder, did that like contribute to anything like bad or harmful? Would you view that as, or would you say that like overall it's been like helpful to you in life? Or would you say that's a trait that like, is it like more good or bad in, in your eyes? Now? Um, I'm not honestly. I don't really know because, like, I don't. I haven't lived anyone else's life to compare it to. Um, I think it helped me be a little bit grounded, maybe as like a teenager. Because again, like being a teenage girl is just such a crazy experience. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, I would feel very uncertain of myself when I would go to like teenage discos like when I would go to rights or when I would go to like people's parties and whatever like which in a way I think not being able to kind of like perform femininity in the way that I thought was expected of me kind of helped me to make very nice friends who liked me as a person and not as a like for my ability to you know succeed socially based on like gender performance or whatever which as, as shitty as it sounds is, I think a lot of the reason that we either gravitate towards or like socially punish certain people when we're teenagers and also like in the rest of our lives, but as with most things, being a teenager kind of puts it under a magnifying glass. But like, I think then when I kind of was an older teenager and like even now, it's meant that I'm kind of learning things about femininity and like what it means to be perceived as an attractive woman or whatever because I'm just like so hot and sexy no <laughs> um but maybe other people you are, learn you are. younger it's like when you go to like rights or whatever with like a really short haircut or whatever um you are often just sort of avoided by the majority of teenage boys 
which at the time I was like, oh my God, like, I'm just trying to be myself and nobody likes me. But in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, that was such a blessing because like <laughs> teenage boys at underage discos are some of the worst people on the planet. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think maybe that was good. Um, but also, I don't know, regardless of what you do or don't do in terms of performing femininity, you're people's perception of you is always going to be somewhat based on how successful or unsuccessful you are at playing your gender role. Um, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but it's it's how I kind of went through that. I think, um, like, what you're saying about performing femininity, it kind of, I for me, this year anyway, thinking about, like, empowerment and then the link between feeling empowered and actually just performing femininity as society wants it to be performed is something that has like really messed with my head not gonna lie (laughs) because it's it's just I don't know that balance is really hard of like do I feel empowered because I'm like catering to the male gaze or do I feel empowered like inherently and I was wondering what what's your kind of take on that and have you found that balance are you still looking for it what how does how does that work in your life um oh my god I think that's such a good question um (laughs) I think this is definitely something that like even women with very similar sort of worldviews end up disagreeing on because it's so difficult to interrogate like your own um desires I think in a way where like it's easy to like be like oh society does this but like when it actually comes to doing that proper self-reflection that's really difficult because then when you realize that something you're doing maybe isn't that authentic or isn't true to who you are who you want to be it kind of feels like you have to sort of demolish a part of yourself in order to become a different person I don't know like it's it it threatens your sense of identity but I think that like definitely when I was younger I kind of subscribed to this idea of like consumerism will bring you joy um and I think it's really difficult to kind of deprogram yourself from that when you grow up like under capitalism like when I was like 13, 14, the whole thing was like, oh, well, if you buy, like, this brand of makeup, that means you're a feminist, whereas if you buy this brand of makeup, it's like, you're just, you're just like everyone else or whatever, um, which is a really weird intersection of I'm not like other girls and feminism, which you would maybe think are two completely opposite things, but, like, I don't know, I think definitely in Zoom college, when that started, not even Zoom college, but, like, Zoom socializing and everything, um, I did go through a period where I was like, I have to wear makeup in every Zoom call for some reason. And maybe it was just because I was looking at my own face and I was like, well, this isn't how people should be seeing me. This is whatever. Um, I know people on the, listening to this can't see this, but like currently I have no makeup on and I'm like a pile of clothes and shit on my bed behind me. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, but I think that like there is that element of like performativeness to, to trying to be accepted. And I think that there are a lot of very rich people, most of them men, who make an awful lot of money off of us thinking that we need to buy goods and services in order to do a good job at being a woman. Um, whereas actually you wake up every, like if you are a woman, you wake up every day and you're a woman and like that's it. You don't actually have to do anything to, to make it valid and you definitely don't have to like buy anything. Um, but we all do like I like I, I still wear makeup even though I know that on some level it's inherently patriarchal like I still shave my body hair even though 
I'm like, mm, maybe intellectually this actually isn't something that I believe in, but I'm going to do it anyways because the social rewards from it are like better than the social sanctions from not doing it. Because <laughs> it's, it's hard. Like, feminism is sometimes really exhausting. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. And I definitely, like, see your point in, like, the whole makeup thing of, like, you know that what you're doing is, like, perpetuating this idea of how you should be, but yet it's, like, but it's actually just easier to feel pretty, <laughs> even if it's just catering yeah. to male gaze, and, like, yeah, and then you start to wonder why you feel better when you're wearing makeup, and you're, like, oh, it's because that's how deep our conditioning is, uh, to make us feel, like, so objectified all the time, but yeah. Um, no, that's a, it's it's a lot to be a girl, I think. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> um, so much. Yeah. And indeed a human, I feel, yeah. It's uh there's a lot to lot to deal with there. But we'll take another song break or Yes, let's do it. Is there a song that you would like to play? Um, I can't remember what songs I sent you. So will you tell me one of them? I, <laughs> I am just looking at it now and given the fact that we spent a lot of time talking about 16 year old Megan and teenage girl life we have The Edge of Se- 17 by Stevie Nicks so oh my I'm, God, yes. I'm thinking that that might be um relevant if you would like yeah absolutely um it's it, it's it's an incredible song in its own right um Stevie Nicks if you're listening um Please text me. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> and also, it was in School of Rock, um, which, as we all know, is the greatest film ever made. Um, yeah, whack it on. Let's do it. Yeah. This is Edge of 17 good. by Stevie Nicks.
had to remind myself during that that I was on the radio and I can't start singing along to the song. Um, but yeah, no, that was great. And I think, so I think we talked about past Megan. So I think now we were going to talk a little bit about future Megan. <laughs> so I guess too many like big hope going, like looking towards the future um, in terms of yourself or like society at large. Um, like, is there anything that you're really excited about or I guess want to see change? Um, I think whole bunch of stuff so (laughs) I think firstly like if I've really internalized any of the lessons I should have learned in the last like year or so it's that you 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 can't plan anything ever because you just really don't know what's going to happen um which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing like I think it's okay to kind of just live in the moment and not be defined by like grand aspirations or whatever like the like time and place that you're in now is I mean it's kind of it's shitty because it's me stuck in my room but like it's okay to not be like off on some great adventure um the second thing is that like uh most of the like the best things that have happened to me in the last few years were not things that I had planned um they were kind of surprises and not even like oh like I hope this happens but it's kind of far-fetched like stuff that I just really had no idea was was coming both in terms of like opportunities and also like people that I've met and all this kind of stuff um which I think is kind of nice um I'm I'm hoping that it means that it's not really my responsibility to figure out what I want to happen next that maybe nice things will just happen to me um which is really uncharacteristically optimistic of me (laughs) um because my other thing about planning for the future is that like I don't know like maybe this is me being like really really like doom and gloom or whatever but like I don't know if you really can plan out your life or whatever because of the whole like I don't want to I don't want to be the one who says like oh climate change <laughs> like <laughs> not even that like oh like something bad's gonna happen and like we're all gonna die or whatever really quickly so there's no point in um like planning anything or whatever because I don't think that's necessarily true but I just think that like both in terms of like stuff like pandemics and like um migrant crises and like government's responses to those and stuff mean that like the conditions of the world that we live in change very fast and very unpredictably um so I don't want to like pin my hopes on like oh I want to do this thing by this age and then I want to go to this place and I want to you know um but also in a less (laughs) um I don't know really depressing kind of thing um I don't really have any um big personal or career aspirations aside from to be happy which I know sounds like kind of a cop-out answer but like I'm 20 years old like I'm very uh young and a little bit silly and I don't really know what I want so it feels kind of stupid to like pick one thing and be like I want to do this and I want to you know have the five-year plan for it and blah 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 um I don't know, I'm just excited for when the pandemic is over to get out on the road again, literally and and figuratively. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's a probably a much better and healthier way to live. And like, I wonder in like not having the plans or the goals, is it more just like going with feelings and gut instincts towards things? Of if opportunities come up, I guess is it is it that good feeling that you follow, or or what kind of helps you? I guess guide your decisions along the way. Um, I think I yeah, I think it is kind of that. I think um, I'm pretty good at assessing like if an opportunity comes up for something like whether it's like a job or a project or you know like an idea for like making something if it's like art or writing or whatever I'm pretty decent at assessing like do I think this is going to make me happy do I think this is like in line with my like core values and beliefs as a person like is it going to be like a fulfilling thing and if it is, and it doesn't, like, cost a million dollars to set my house on fire or something, like, I think um, it's pretty good to, to follow those kind of good instincts. Um, my New Year's resolution last year was to not just be, like, irrationally afraid of things, like, to just put myself out for stuff. Not saying that that's gone incredibly well, that I've done that all of the time. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good to, to take risks and just do things because you like doing them. Um, I think that's fun. I think it's fulfilling, um, and it's not CV building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. I actually this year I felt so. I had like an existential crisis of like I don't do anything, like I don't have anything for my CV, and I was like that is so. <laughs> and I think that goes back to what you were talking about uh, about your sixteen year old self discovering marks, but like it's like you're so focused on some sort of economic aspiration that you can't enjoy anything anymore because everything has to have something some sort of fundamental value that some discernible value you know yeah no definitely like when I was in like fifth year I was like I want to be an international human rights lawyer and then when I was in like first year of college I was like I'm gonna do economics even though I can't do maths and I really hate it so that I can be an economist and I'm good and it's gonna be my whole gig or whatever and then my like Christmas of first year I was like this is ruining my life this sucks so bad all I want to do is like read books and like draw stupid shit and like play in the ocean or whatever it is that human beings are put on this earth to do because it's definitely not unpaid internship <laughs> <laughs> that's no, quote that's quote of the quote yeah. of the show whatever human <laughs> beings are put on earth to do it's definitely not unpaid internships <laughs> it just can't be <laughs> yeah that's so true um no because yeah it's kind of it's kind of funny how much suffering you can kind of put yourself through like I, I like there's certain you know I think everyone most people are kind of hardwired towards the very you know CV building aspects and how much you can take your own happiness away to kind of get that line or kind of pursue a certain goal even if it's not even something that's inspiring to you and I guess you touched a little bit there about like you um writing a lot and, I, and I've heard your poems are amazing and I guess um is that something for you that's kind of you just really enjoy the process and kind of do it for the creative outlet um, and if so kind of like what inspires you um, and and what things like do you like to write about or kind of gravitate towards um I think firstly thank you um <laughs> thank you I think they're uh they're, they're just poems yeah um yeah I I, <laughs> I like um I like to write I, th- I think it's really fun I think it's a really um 
not destructive and horrible way to like process your emotions and like the events of your life or whatever um and also lockdown in that one specific respect has been nice because you have more time for like creative pursuits or whatever um I think writing is something that I've definitely gotten better at with practice but I mostly just do it to do it I enjoy the process and I enjoy like having something and being like I made this um I think that's a really good feeling um but also like I'm not like oh like I'm a I'm a writer like I'm a poet like this is the thing that I do and like this is my little creative niche or whatever like I <laughs> today I put up a bunch of those like B comics on Instagram or whatever um because I like to draw like cats going down the stairs and like birds with suitcases and like silly things like that and that genuinely I think to me is as fulfilling as like writing a really nice poem or whatever um like I like to I like to paint when lockdown's over the first thing I want to do is I up for a pottery class because I think it would be cool to make a bowl that I could use cereal out of um but I was kind of like I was kind of thinking about this during lockdown because I was like like if I'm gonna spend my time doing this instead of doing other things that I could spend my free time doing why am I doing it? And at first I was like, I'm going to get really good at this and submit to loads of publications and try and get published, which is like, which is fine. Um, I guess if you're maybe a better writer. <laughs> um, and if you're more committed to maybe like a more careerist side of it. But like, I think for me, it's a little bit of like, humans are kind of predisposed to making things. Like we do love sticking our hands in the berry pigment and slapping a handprint on the wall of the cave. And I don't think that cavemen did that so that we could go and look at them like thousands of years later. I think they did it just to do it. And it was nice to be in the cave and be like, hey, that's my hand on the wall. Like I think making things and making art that isn't like totally necessary to your survival, like making tools or whatever, I think is a really key part of being human. Uh, and I think it also kind of affords us a medium through which like tell the story of who we are and like who our community is and like what our life is which like, I mean, we do that in so many different ways. Like we do that through podcasts like this and we do it through paintings and like, I don't know, I, I think it's a very intrinsic human need to be like, I'm, I'm just gonna make something, I'm just gonna make something. I don't think you have to like, you know, practice the craft or like be really, really good at something to do it. I think it's actually just really fun and fulfilling to like make things. And I don't think they have to be like bought and sold. I don't like <laughs> capitalism bad maybe. <laughs> Always back, back to marks, back to marks. <laughs> yeah, just meat, potatoes, and you shouldn't have to work to live. <laughs> um, and I suppose when you're talking about making things for the sake of making them, um, do you have any favorite like makers, so like artists or writers, like who are the, who are your favorite people who've made things or created things? Ooh, that's really good. Um. I think, firstly, um, a lot of my friends, I'm like lucky and privileged enough that when they make something, whether it's a, a poem or like a, a piece of like art, art, like physical art, like a painting or drawing, or if they make a song or whatever, like they'll share it with me. Um, and to me, just like being around other people who are like making things and trust you with that story that they're telling about themselves. Um, is really fulfilling and really scratches that I need everyone to like me all the time itch in your brain a little bit. <laughs> um, but also in terms of like famous people, uh, <laughs> I think, oh my God, 
I'm like totally blanking in that way that you do when someone's like, oh, what movies do you like? And you're like, oh, suddenly I've never seen a movie. <laughs> I think my favorite book in history, um, not because I think um, murder and the 80s and very long black coats are really cool, but I, which I do, um, because I think it's nice that they're all friends and they all hang out, which if anyone has read the book is not the plot of the book, but it's what I took from <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I, I have very wide, varied, shitty kind of taste in art, I guess. Like, I like, um, what's that painting? The Umbrellas. They used to have it in the National Gallery. Maybe they still do. No, I think it's in the Hugh Lane. I don't know. It's really nice. It's got a girl holding a hula hoop, and it's raining. It's, it's really cute. Is it a Renoir? I shouldn't have said that. Rembrandt? I feel like the painter begins with or. I like School of Rock. That's, I think, my favorite movie. <laughs> um, yeah, School of Rock is a movie about people making things, which maybe is why I like it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, yeah, and I guess moving on from that, I guess music is a big part of, like, the creative sphere. And I guess, is there any, like, specific, like, artists that you would, like, uh, just be in awe of in terms of, like, their creative process um, in terms of, like, musicians or anyone in that kind of respect slash field? So many. Firstly, like, most of the musicians that I listen to or, like, even when someone, like, shows you a song and you don't completely vibe with it or whatever, you're like, this person made this. Like, this came out of someone's brain and then they, like, played it or whatever. Like, they wrote it, they played it. And, like, like that to me is amazing that people can do that. Because, um, like, I, I play instruments and stuff, but, like, I've never been that good at it. Like, I'm not, like, a, a songwriter. I'm not, like, a musician or whatever. Um, but, I don't know, I think it's, I think music is just really good and so then when I actually do really like an artist or a piece of music I'm like oh my god guys this is insane <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like um oh my god I'm trying to think of someone who's like totally groundbreaking or whatever <laughs> I really like uh Casey Musgraves um because I love women and I love country music because <laughs> uh, I think it tells very sort of honest human simple stories um, I really like the Foo Fighters uh, and I saw them live as my last gig before lockdown not even just that the music is really good and reminds me of like the times that I listened to it but also like when I saw them live which I think happens when you see anything live whether it's like some local band or like opera or like a big stadium gig or whatever the power that an artist has to make a giant crowd of people sort of become one entity and have everyone experiencing something together, I think it's like very, very magical. Um, God, you'd miss it. Yeah, 100% miss it so much. The last thing I did before <laughs> lockdown actually was a pottery painting class, just when you were talking about oh. pottery and I just remembered that there. Um, but I suppose in that vein, is there a song that you would like to play? Um, I think the song that I want to play next is, um, it's by Biba Doobie, um, it's called Care, that's the one I put on, isn't it? No, it's I, not. I will <laughs> get it, I will get it, I will get the song. <laughs> oh, I want to do one of the ones for you. What's um, what did I put on, because I've obviously just... in an interview that it's like the 
that really classic country music thing of like you're telling a story about someone's life and then it's like wait no this is actually connected to my life every person is the same person we're all having the same experience on this earth oh um, i think about that all the time yeah Alrighty. okay <laughs> so this is the last great american dynasty by miss taylor swift And that was a classic Taylor Swift song. And now we're going to bop on to some quick fire questions, I think, Ellen. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, um, yeah, is there any, I guess, not so deep, but also very relevant, any shows we should all be binge watching at the moment? Ooh, I just watched Tuca and Birdie. It's from the art director of Bojack Horseman. It's about two birds, they're best friends. Uh, they're both women, well, they're birds. And it's really funny. Um, <laughs> um, is there any movie that we should also be watching at the moment? 
anything good that you've seen recently. Definitely, definitely 100% school of rock. <laughs> Go watch it, experience it. It's so good. That is pretty amazing. Um, last song that lives rent free inside your head. Um, it's by the Ramones. It's called Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. It's from the rehearsal montage in School of Rock. They have Ronald Reagan as a dickhead. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> we love it. Um, and last meal on earth, what would you have? Um, Oddly Pacific, but <laughs> probably mac and cheese. Jamie Oliver, mac and cheese, it's good. It's tasty. Yeah, cheese is hard to beat, I feel, in life in general. <laughs> but, um, well, I think that marks the end of our episode today. But thank you so much, Megan. You have been amazing, as always. And, uh, yeah, happy International Women's Day to everyone who is listening. And, um, yeah, it's been amazing. See ya. Thank you so much, Megan. Thanks so much. We will at hopefully have our show next week as well but I'm not sure how it works with reading week so we will figure that out um but (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening hope you enjoyed happy international women's day to all and thank you so much again Megan for coming on and chatting with us thank you so much guys